Today's scripture comes from Book of Ruth, chapter 1, 1 to 18. Book of Ruth 1, 1 to 18. Uh, you can follow along on the screen above, or you can stay in the bottom um, part page of the NewMercy.cc uh, bulletin online. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons, They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilian also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road, That would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand... Has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, "Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay." Your people will be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. This is the word of God. Amen. Good morning. Hope everybody is well. Um, my name is Won Jae Hudson, one of the pastors here at New Mercy. I want to truly once again welcome you to our Sunday service. Uh, this month is a little bit over a month, about uh, five six weeks. We are uh, taking time, and we are calling this uh, Community Month. Community Month uh, for the next four four five weeks. Uh, we are. Pausing to intentionally take time to look a little bit inward, uh, to examine honestly uh, how are we doing as a church, as a community, 
Um, what are some areas that really God is moving? Where is God? Where is God in our community? How is He moving? And what are some areas that we need to maybe work on, honestly? Uh, because it's not just, you know, things just happen on its own, but intentionally, where should we invest in? Or, what, you know, who or what areas we need prayer in? Uh, stuff like that. So uh, we've been really um, uh, pausing and thinking through. So hopefully, hopefully that, uh, that uh, as a community, we can really participate in, in this one. So a couple of things we have planned, you know, of course, the retreat coming up this weekend. Please do sign up. Today is the last day deadline. Uh, we would love to see the whole community come together, all the services, and we're really pushing it. So tonight, I think the retreat community is at 5 p.m. 5 p.m., we're going to close the registration, so we would love to see you there. Next Sunday, there's no service because we're going to worship there together, so please do join us. Uh, Wednesdays, we'll be having community prayer, so at the office, uh, we're, we're coming together to pray. Hopefully, we're getting the devotionals, so we're emailing devo- devotionals out every morning. Uh, so, so a lot of things are happening. Um, when I think about community, um, basically, it's, it's this. Uh, it's the stories. Of, of people's lives, I think that's what's so powerful. That's what's so, uh, so awesome about, about community. That when we hear these stories, community, you know, this is, this is us, right? This is who we are. The community is made up of these stories. I know that some of you have been coming to church for a while, and, and you had no idea, right, about Tom and Jane's story. Um, for me, I, I, I interviewed Tom, uh, you know, pastors, we got to interview our, you know, the candidates, and, um, and I remember I met Tom about like 10 years ago, I think, and, um, and when he was going through, by the way, I got permission to share a little bit more about this. Uh, when he was going through this, I still remember one, one of those days, uh, he called me, and we were meeting, and we were eating together, and it was at Fort Lee, one of those Fort Lee diners, I think now it's called Chillers, whatever, Fort Lee diner. We were eating, and hearing his story, he's just, just kind of like laying it out. You know, Pastor Hudson, you know, like, I lost my job. and Status, I, I already knew about his status situation, so he could get deported anytime. His family was in trouble, uh, no money. Then his mom got sick uh, with breast cancer, no insurance, just on and on. And, right? and I still remember sitting there, just, just him and I, <laughs> and I was telling God, I was like, Lord... There is no solution. This is this is like a, like just like a like a brick wall. Like there's there's nothing. You know how like human beings are. You're kind of empathy and you know whatever you know sharing their pain. But at the same time, you want to kind of say something. You know you know you know give like a hint of hope or some solution. I'm just like, you want to order more fries? I mean, I, I mean honestly, like I, I, there's there's nothing. I'm just like, what do I say? I mean, what, do, what would you say? So I still remember you know when we're doing the interview. Um, we were thinking back at those times. I was like, hey, Tom, remember that time at the diner? And honestly, Tom, you know, I, I nothing. I, I know nothing to say. And I remember coming home and, and you know, I think even just sharing with Lisa and stuff. And honey, there are situations, there are, there are people in our community where uh, human eyes, in, through human eyes, human wisdom, there's nothing we could offer. Right? But behold... Um, years later now, uh, just, I mean, just, just, just kind of catching up and just talking through with Tom and, and, and Jane and, and where they are today, how God has just, like, opened up their lives. And, uh, I mean, it's just amazing. 
Of course, not perfect, right? Once again, I mean, still we, go through, we, we continually go through stuff. Life is life. It's always something. But just witnessing the power of God and them being able to share this story with us because now they're at a place where they can. Because they really acknowledge it is the Lord. Uh, it, it was awesome. It was powerful. But that's one thing I really love about our community, that we are all each, right? We're made up of these stories. I, on behalf of the pastors, I'm just going to say this and start with this today. Here at New Mercy, we value your stories. Here at New Mercy, we value your stories. Each and every one of your stories, whether it's painful, um, where, whether it's a story of restoration or not, whether you're in it now, we think it's, it's powerful, it's beautiful because it's, it's, we're part of God's story. You know, when I was younger, growing up, I still remember my Sunday school teacher teaching me uh, when I was, when I was you know, a little, little boy, uh, you know, one day, you know what the Bible is? Basically, Bible is a love story that God wrote for you and you're in it. Right? So as we share our stories, I think, uh, I think that's where the power of this community really comes alive, that we can be vulnerable that we hear, we listen to each other, we get to share, uh, then, then we get connected and we all realize, you know, we're, we're just doing life together. No, it's, you know, it's like whatever, however Instagram and Facebook says, it doesn't matter. We're all the same. We all have ups and downs and pains and whatever. Uh, okay. So with that, uh, we're very excited to come into this, uh, this um, community month. So please do... Uh, to, uh, to, yeah, especially the retreat, hopefully you could come out. Today, very quickly, I know there's a lot going on. Uh, I want to take the book of Ruth, uh, so one of my favorite books in the Bible, Old Testament, book of Ruth, and kind of take maybe three truths that personally I have been convicted over whenever I read the book of Ruth, and I want to kind of apply it to community. See if we could kind of apply it to community. So just to give a little background, um, um, I can't just assume everybody knows the story of Ruth, so I'm going to give a little background of the book of Ruth. Book of Ruth, very short, I think four chapters. It's about a Moabite uh, woman um, who uh, comes to Israel with her mother-in-law. Okay? So chapter one, the story, as we read, uh, starts from this household, Elimelech's household, during the time of Judges. So time, time of Judges in the Old Testament was time of Israel, in Israel's history before they established their first king, which was Saul. Uh, judges were elders, basically wise elders God established to rule Israel. So during this time period, uh, there was a famine in the land, and this one household, they decide to move to a land, move to the land of Moab which was a big no-no because in the Old Testament, Moab was cursed. The people of Moab were cursed. Uh, Moab, the, historically, they come from the lineage of Lot. Lot was Abraham's nephew. Okay, too much Bible in the morning. It's okay. Yay. Abraham's nephew. And Lot actually had an ancestral relationship, slept with his daughter, had a child, and that first child was named Moab. So even from the beginning, God said, no, 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 this is not going to happen. So that, that Moabites got cursed. Not only that, throughout the lineage in the history of uh, Israel, Moab 
people of Moabites and Israelites were enemies. They're bitter enemies. Uh, so uh, Deuteronomy and Leviticus, we find verses where God specifically curses the Moabites and says, if you're a Moabite, you cannot enter into the fellowship of Israel. Israelites, you are not to go and live in Moab. So these were very bad things. But for some odd reason, we see from the opening verses of the book of Ruth, this household, Israelite, this household element that goes and lives in Moab. So we assume the circumstances were really tough. There's a famine in the land, and we, it just kind of leaps off the pages that there were excruciating circumstances that, that they had to almost go to Moab for some reason to, to survive. So they go, they live there, then what happens? The husband dies. Elimelech dies, and now the wife, Naomi, is left with two sons who end up marrying Moabite women. So this kind of gets deeper into this, this story of oddity. Like, Israelites, you're not supposed to do that, but they get married. And they have two, now two wives, and Naomi, uh, with these two sons, lived for about 10 years, Bible says, 10 years. Then on the 10th year, the two sons also die. They pass away. So the story is, a, is it's getting very sad and terrible. Um, Naomi, the mother, is left with now two Moabite daughter-in-laws. And she is angry and bitter. And she makes a decision, you know, now I have nothing. There's nothing left. So I'm going to go back home to Israel, to Bethlehem. So they're getting ready to make their journey. Then uh, Naomi tells her daughter-in-law, Orpa and Ruth, the two Moabite daughter-in-laws, you guys don't have to come. You guys stay. You guys are still young and beautiful, and, and you, know, you have your whole life ahead of you. Why don't you stay? Go back to your, your, your parents' home. Go back to Moab and remarry and settle down and rest under someone. So they have this whole emotional thing, exchange, you know, no, you know like hugging and kissing. And, you know. Then Orpa leaves. One of the daughter-in-law says, okay, then they go, she goes back. But Scripture says what? Ruth clings onto her and says, no. And that whole famous, that power verse of Book of Ruth, chapter 1, 14, 15, 16, you know, you know I'm going to go with you. you, know, you your, your people are going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. And Ruth uh, urges Naomi to take her. And Ruth makes this commitment, decision to go with her. Then Naomi, Scripture says, and Naomi stops urging her. So Naomi goes back and she says, no, Ruth, go back. And you, know, and you see this just beautiful display between a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law. Okay? I, don't, I don't know. I heard it doesn't happen that much. I don't know if it's true. Daughter-in-law and mother-in-law and this affection and then just, just emotionally just charged scene of, of really just sharing love. The other saying stuff for the, the benefit of the other. No, I'm going to go and help you live with you. No, go live your life. Find another man. Right, this thing. Then uh, Naomi loses this argument. Then Ruth, the Moabite widow, uh, goes with Naomi and comes back to Israel. Uh, first thing for me, whenever I read this book, first thing for me is the courage of Ruth. The courage of Ruth. I think this book really displays a woman's courage, this Moabite woman widow's courage. I mean, think about it. Moab being a cursed nation, Israelites hated Moabites, especially a widow, a woman, and she makes a decision on the soul, I think just, just, just commitment to love her mother-in-law. Whatever she, that she's seen for over 10 years, that this God was worthy. I want this God. I want to be part of these, this people group. I love my mother-in-law. 
I'm going to commit. Whatever it is, she makes that coming decision, and it is that expression of courage. Right? Ruth, there is a lot. Just, if you read the book, it's, it's just courageous woman. Talk about courageous woman. It's Ruth. One thing God convicted me this week. Love is courage. Love is courage. Right? At the end of the day, when we think about spiritual things, right? You know, you know we, we, we gain a lot of truth through the Bible. Bible study, church, and we get all this knowledge. And then we know a lot about Scripture. We know a lot about truth and spiritual stuff and growth. And, but yet, when we really think about honestly living it out and, and expressing it, doing it, what is it? Why, do, why don't we do it? Why do we have our time? I think a big part of it really, I think it's, it's courage. We, 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 we're just, there's fear. You know, so when we apply this to community, I was thinking about it. Community building takes courage. Right? Especially faith community, Christian community, gospel community building takes courage because ultimately it's about love. Right? Foundation of who we are is what? It's, it's love of Jesus Christ. So ultimately, in order for us to become and grow and invest, to become an effective, lively community, you know what? It's going to take courage in all of us, our parts. It's so true, isn't it? Like, I mean, I was just thinking, though, even as a pastor, sometimes, you know, you get caught up in things, and then you meet people, and I say hi to people, and hey, whatever, you know, counseling, whatever, and then there are times internally I know, like, oh, you know what, one day, maybe I should just go and say hi to this new couple or family or whatever. But I'm just like, but I don't want to. It's kind of awkward, you know, who wants to be awkward, you know, like kind of weird and like whatever, but what does it take? It just takes courage. Just step of faith. Just do it. Just say Hi. Maybe, you know, I should just kind of call up this, this family and say, hey, let's have dinner. I don't really know them that well, and they might think it's weird. They don't want to be too religious, too Christian or whatever, but maybe just, I should just invite them over, have, have dinner or lunch or something. Sometimes it's just that. It just, that's what it is. That, that's, what's dif- that's the difference, right? Taking that step of faith and courage to just to reach out, to say hi, to ask even questions. I mean, sometimes if you come on Sundays too, even here, you know, we're, we're mingle and stuff. And, and we, you know, it's very superficial, yes. But at the same time, still very important. Just say hi and stuff. And we see new people. We see, we see you know, uh, visitors. And even, even that sort of a way as a community, I think in, the, in, the, in some foundational fundamental level, it's, it's, it's also courage. Love is courage. Faith is courage. I don't think it's like something profound, but it's that every day, every week, in order for us to deepen this community, we need faith people exercising courage. Fellowship. True fellowship sometimes takes courage. Joining an FG. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, courage. Calling people up that you don't know takes courage. So I think a lot of the elements of Community building has to do with that. So it's something that we have to look at. I mean, even in just kind of a fun, funny way, even like romantic love, right? You have a crush on somebody, you're like asking them, what is this? Courage. Hey, you going to go for dinner? Scared? Just do it. You get shot down, who cares? Now, that's a complaint I hear. From, I mean, I'm not here. You guys are all married and you guys don't care. But 1 p.m., huge thing right now. Yeah. They're praying really hard to find somebody. Pray for them. But right? it takes courage. It takes courage. It takes us. I think just, just in many different ways. You know, they say that, you know, uh, I think it was like 1800s when um, um, 
T.L. Moody. T.L. Moody, the great evangelist. T.L. Moody was one of the most powerful, great, just evangel- American evangelists for us, uh, this side of the, the uh, Pacific. And D.L. Moody was part of a, like a, like a town, small town, Christian community kind of town. No one ever reached out to him because people were just kind of like going on their own thing. They say that this one uh, Sunday school, just normal, average, no-name Christian, one day mustered up his courage, went to the shoe store where D.L. Moody was working, and basically just asked them, hey, do you want to come to a revival meeting? And that night, D.L. Moody went to a revival meeting. He got saved. That's how D.L. Moody got saved. D.L. Moody's ministry eventually reached this great evangelist called Billy Sunday. This Billy Sunday got saved through D.L. Moody. Billy Sunday became an evangelist. And um, Mordecai Ham, this another evangelist, got saved through Billy Sunday. Then eventually, you know who got saved through that lineage of evangelists? It was Billy Graham. The great Billy Graham. And it was just this normal, just one average Sunday Christian, basically, mustering up enough courage to going asking this random kid in part of their community, hey, you want to join us for revival tonight? And D.A. Moody met the Lord. Uh, and, you know, rest is history. So I think that's in one sense, that's, it's very simple, but that's what it is. It's sometimes we're, we're, we're too restricted for whatever reason. It could be, I don't know, pride, whatever. It just takes effort. But I think it's just that step of courage, that faith that really is needed in strengthening community. For us, we should think through. All right, number two. So the first lesson, I think, Ruth, we see courage. Second thing is gospel community, the power is in its Embrace. It is embraced. The second chunk of uh, the book of Ruth, uh, I think the first part for me, once again, is about courage of Ruth. Ruth expressing that love and boldness and courage to stick with Naomi, going back to a foreign land, Israel, where she's an enemy and a widow, had no idea what support's going to come, what's going to happen, but yet making, taking that step of faith and courage to go. Second chunk of the story of the book of Ruth is now what? It's basically about this community embracing Ruth and Naomi. Right? Uh, the Israel community, when they come back, uh, we didn't read it, but the verses after, it talks about the people were shocked. Isn't that Naomi? How could she come back? And Naomi's all angry and bitter. Call me Mara. And like, she's all like messed up. But yet, the, the, pro- the progress of this, this beautiful narrative, this story, is that the community embraces them. This, this widow who left her own country and went to live in Moab comes back with another Moabite woman, widow, and yet the community now embraces her and embraces them, and they become part of this community. I mean, that, that imagery, once again, you know, when um, Ruth clung onto Orpah, that verse, I think that's one of the hard verses there. It shows, expresses, I think, Ruth. Her commitment towards Orpah, but also I think in in another way too that it symbolizes this whole dimension of commitment and embracement as a community, and because that's what gets displayed throughout the Book of Ruth. It's basically the Israel community uh, accepting them, embracing them, and making them part of their community, and then 
the second, you know, last part of the restoration comes. I mean, it's just a powerful display. This, this short book uh, has a lot in it. For us here, once again, too, when we think about community, uh, our vision here is Church for the Broken. It starts with embracing acceptance. You know, when we're launching the church seven, eight years ago, we would always talk about that. We want to make our church a church where you can really honestly come as you are. We want to start there because that's how Jesus Christ, fully knowing our fullness of our sin and nastiness and brokenness, has embraced us. And his commitment is daily, every day, as his mercies are new every morning. He commits and recommits to us his love. That's I, I picture, I pray that that's how we should pray our community to be. Whenever people walk into our community in New Mercy, hey, what's New Mercy about? Well, we're Church for the Broken, Call to Restoration. Come as you are. Come and meet Jesus the way you are. Then let Jesus take you through your process of restoration. So acceptance, I think words like commitment. I mean, once again, going back to that word, clung onto, Ruth clung onto Orpah. That same word in Hebrew, clung, is the same word that is used in Genesis, where it talks about Adam leaving his mother and father and cleaving to Eve. It's the same word that is used in Genesis where God is talking about a marital relationship. As husband is clinging, cleaving to his wife, that's the same word that is used here when Ruth is clinging on to Orpah. And I was thinking about that. Perhaps that's the dimension, that's the depth of commitment as a Christian community that we should have for one another. You know, Tom, when he was sharing, he said, uh, he kind of mentioned FG here and there, right? Uh, for me, as someone who saw his, this whole process, this probably, it, takes, it took about 10 years or whatever, this whole thing, just the value of that small FG community that he was part of. I think now, like Tom and Minsu, I think they're leading that FG. A lot of his friends, a lot of that, that small community. Because, you know, we have a big community here, but all our the real power connection comes in our FGs. That FG did so much for him. I mean, it's just so much. There was just absolute acceptance, commitment from getting It doesn't matter, status, whatever, financial situation. I mean, we're going to be there. That was it. That's why I love our, you know, here at New Mercy, our family group. We call it our small groups at church. It's called family groups. We call it FGs. And the vision of our FGs, I, I, I love, it's doing life together, our vision of our FGs. I mean, it's not doing, growing together or worshiping together, but it's, it's doing life together. Because basically, that's what commitment is. You know, we, we want to commit to one another, and let's just do life together. In the Lord, by, by the grace of God. Let's grow together. Uh, we, we urge you once again, everybody, to join on FG. Look for one. Uh, but th- I think that's so powerful and beautiful. And for Tom, he definitely is someone who encountered and experienced that. There's absolute embrace. It doesn't matter your background, your story, whatever it is. Come first. Because Jesus doesn't distinguish, discriminate. That's the part of the gospel. And as we're in that power of the gospel, we can change and grow and be restored. Okay, so I think courage, then embrace, then the last one, uh, simply the book of Ruth is about, totally about uh, restoration. It's about restoration. 
restoration comes in and through, uh, through community. Uh, biblical restoration. No question about it. I've never met, still even to this point, someone just going home and, hey, let me just sit in my chair for a few days and come back and say, I'm restored. I'm healed. On their own. No, I, I never met anyone like that. Usually, process of restoration never happens just sitting on your own or thinking through really hard. True transformative restoration and healing only comes in and through the community. You need others. We need each other, right? We need, we need people to help us, support us, encourage us. And they need you, right? Not only we need them, but they need you. That you need to be present. Why? For others also. Not only to just go to church and to receive but you can be a healing agent also, that you can also help others heal. So it only happens in community. Uh, that's what the Bible story is about. Right? It's about the nation of Israel, people of God. It's about the church of God. You know, even the Old Testament is about tabernacle. Every time it's gathering of people. And later on in heaven, what is it? It's a huge just a worship party of the people of God worshiping together in community. So God's heart is always that. Once again, the book of Ruth, uh, so what happens? How does this book end? Well, Ruth gets embraced into this community and finds a man. This guy named is Boaz. Boaz was a uh, prominent Israelite, um, and he marries, and the marrying Ruth, the Moabite. But that, pr- that process was very tricky because there are, there are a lot of these ritualistic kind of things. We don't want to get into it. But at the end of the day, if you read chapter 4 of Ruth, the Israelites come together, the community comes together in helping Boaz and Ruth get married and, and they embrace together. Then Boaz and Ruth get married. They have a child. And the child, the son's name is what? Obed. Obed gets married, has a child, has a son. His name is Jesse. Jesse gets married, and he has a son, and his name is David, the King David. So through this Moabite Ruth showing courage, coming, getting embraced, and God beginning the process of restoration ends up meeting Boaz, and through that lineage, King David comes. So when we go to Matthew and read the lineage of Jesus Christ, Ruth is there. I mean, it's a crazy story if you think about it. God, I thought you cursed the Moabites. I thought you hated the Moabites. But that's, that's, the, that's the grace of God. That's the heart of God. That God even comes over this, this curse and displays his grace through the life of this, this one Moabite woman. And later, King David, through Jesus Christ, comes to that lineage of this Ruth. There is real restoration in and through the community. Community is so important. You know, a couple of years ago, I was reading a sermon by uh, Dr. Tim Keller. You know, we respect Redeemer Church so much in you know, the church in New York. And I was kind of surprised to find this. He said, I think this was their 21st Christmas service, right? They're, they're old in you know, an old church. And they have like tens of thousands of people there. And on their, one of their Christmas service messages, Dr. Tim Keller said this. He said, often at Redeemer, I meet people who tell, comes and tell me, my life has been changed. But when I really look at their lives, what they mean is 
their life are like the, their life hasn't really changed, but what they really mean is that they are very inspired. Then he goes on. I was like, "Wow, floored." He said, "You know what she said? He said, you might get inspired or feel better, but not actually get better, because only in community you can get really real better." What he what he meant was. You know, Tim Keller, he knows, like, half of his church just comes to listen to his sermons, basically. I mean, we, we know, right? I mean, he's an amazing preacher, gifted preacher. But he says even at Redeemer, he notices all the Sunday Christians who just comes to listen to his messages. They might feel better that day. They get inspired that day. But they say from Monday to Saturday, their lives have not really been changed. And this is the word of Kim, Tim Keller. And I was like, Tim, uh, Dr. Keller, you mean even your sermons can't change people? And you know what he said? He goes on, he goes, there is no supernatural character change without deep involvement in community. There is no tra- true, deep, transformative change if we're just doing faith just by listening to a sermon a week. Meaning, unless you are really involved with people and community, restoration will be very slow. But it's not happening. Be real. You get inspired Sundays. You feel good on a Sunday. Be, be real, that's not change. And, and this is so true, isn't it? I mean, this is what Bible teaches. All those one another passages. Forgive one another, you know, help one another, pray for one another, love one another. What, what is that? Meaning, you need to, we need to be engaged. People have to rub bodies and we have to come together and fight and argue and, and be healed and forgiven. And, and all that life, real life has to happen. Doing life together has to happen in order for us to experience true grace and gospel and, and change. Right? Once again, no one really changes by just sitting there in their room and listening to a sermon or whatever and meditating and one day, oh, I'm healed. Never ever I have seen. But it's always through the body, it's through the community. You know, I, I, I need you. And you need me. You know, God is so good. God is so fair. He never reveals the fullness of who he is to one person. Over the years, that's one thing I've been learning. No matter how smart, how inspired, how anointed you are, never ever, I don't think God reveals the fullness of who he is to one person. That's why we need each other. We have parts. And he has parts. She has parts. And when we come and share and fellowship and hear stories, we're like, wow, God moves like that too. God moves this way. Oh, I never knew that. And we share and we get a fuller picture of the Lord and the gospel. You know, so, you know, how, you know say, say you were struggling through something. I don't know. How do you how, say, say I have a pride issue. You know, I have a pride issue. And I'm like reading a book on pride. And I'm like reading it. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm not that bad. I think I'm, I'm okay. I'm not, I don't have a pride issue. This is good. But then, you know, the moment I step into a small group, to a setting of people, I'm like, what the heck? Listen to me, you beep. Ah, your, your, your true self your comes out when you begin to interact and 
mesh with the real world. You know, like Pastor Key last week said, it's messy. It has to be messy. Because that changes us, challenges us, character building in, breaks us, humbles us. I feel like community is not only for the worship and kind of doing the religion thing, but community is also formative. Community is absolutely necessary because it's formative, spiritually formative. So for us, once again, here at our church, New Mercy, I think these are something that let's honestly think through. Uh, and like I said, it's okay. You know, you, you know, some of us we're, we're may not be ready yet to fully dive in and commit, but, but we, we want to, once again, just offer you different options and, and challenge you to go further. Perhaps uh, you need to dig in a little bit deeper. They say that, uh, you know, a lot of these researchers, they say that you need three meaningful connections to feel real part of a community. Uh, so, you know, like they have these church researchers and stuff. You know, how do people stay at your church? Well, they need three meaningful connections. So when you first come to church, whoever led you to church, your friend, whatever, that's one connection. Then you, you come and you're like, oh, it's nice. So let me be part of an FG or something or join a ministry. That's your second connection. And a lot of us, I think, we're at that stage. Like, we have two connections about meaningful. But they say, actually, that still is not enough. When someone could really say, you know, I am, this is my community. I have ownership over community. You need at least three meaningful connections. So I think that's something to think about, too, for us as a community. You know, really, honestly, where am I? Am I investing? Am I just on the surface, just criticizing and I really like believe that this is my community. Do you have that ownership? Because that's good for you. It's good for us. It's part of a formation spiritually. It helps us grow. Only way we can grow in the Lord. So with that, uh, can we just let's just pray and close today uh, quickly? Um, personally, for me, I'm really excited for this Q4, this last uh, four months of this year. Thank God that it's September, you know, kids are in school, God is good, and all this good stuff going on. Uh, I know the year is moving by really fast, but uh, I, I pray that, you know, we can really end well this year, 2017, especially as a community together. So uh, can, we, can I just ask if we could just pray, let's just spend a moment praying for our church, praying for our community. Uh, if we could just pray for, especially our 1030 service, let's pray for our children, uh, our, our families here. Uh, once again, let's ask the Lord, God, give me courage even to pray for someone. Help me to intercede on behalf of someone. Give me courage to say a word, to encourage somebody this week or through you know, this community month. Uh, so let's just spend a moment in prayer. Uh, then, and, and, and then one last thing is throughout this community month, um, let's challenge ourselves uh, to dream a little bit bigger. I think sometimes restlessness, uh, restlessness comes uh, when our dreams are too small. You know, we, we're getting older and we've done the school thing and the family thing and the children thing and the house thing and, and we're almost like done with everything. And I think it's just not enough. There has to be a God-sized dream uh, to, to help us uh, from, from even restlessness and, and tiredness. Uh, there has to be mission, right? There has to be mission. And let's, let's ask the Lord as a community, revive our mission, God. 
renew our vision to be a church for the broken. What does that mean in this season again? So can we just spend a moment in prayer? Uh, then I'll ask the worship team to help us lead.